this morning, y'all? All right, that's a little bit better. Let us, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we know that you are God. You reign supreme. And God, you know every aspect of our lives. You are in control. Father, I pray that your word this morning does exactly what you want it to do. Father, have your way in here. Let us receive. Let us eat. Let us know you afresh today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our text for the day is Mark chapter 4. When, when you have it, say amen. It's chapter 4, verse 35. Verse 35. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. When you got it, say amen. If not, just say hold on. All right, some, somebody is finding it. All right, Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41, hear the word of the Lord. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with them in the boat, just as, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he, woke, he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? All right, you all may be seated. Al Roker is probably one of the most well-known weathermen. And all of us have spent um, a good portion of last week tuning in to a lot of, a lot of weathermen. And, and they have told us everything uh, about what we need to do. You know, they have told us to make sure that our hurricane checklist is completely checked off to make sure we have all of our hurricane supplies, make sure our hurricane stockpile is full. And if you are in the line of direct impact, evacuate. Head for the hills. You know, they are giving or were giving good information. And we know this is 
wise counsel. This is wise uh, instruction to follow. But we will find in life that there are some situations where the best instructions is still not enough. At, at some point in life, we're, we're going to need someone who can step in and take charge to accomplish what we can't. In our text today, as you have heard, we're going to find a weatherman who can give us a different report. Now, our story here, or th this um, passage, picks up with Jesus preaching. And before he is preaching, he goes around and he works miracles. He is healing. The lame is able to walk. The lepers are cleansed. The blind is able to see. News starts circulating. And people are telling of what's going on. There is a stranger in the city and he is healing. So as this news is circulating, people are coming out. And that was something they do. That's something we would do today. People are coming out because they want to be healed. And this news is traveling quickly. Jesus realized that on this particular day, there were so many. There were so many that he couldn't just carry on his normal conversation with like a, a relatively small group of people. There was now a crowd. And he decided to get in the boat and preach from the boat and turn this whole place into an amphitheater. And he is out there preaching. And after preaching all day, he turns to his disciples and tells them, look, let's head over to the other side. We're going to continue ministry. So they get, get him in the boat and they set out to the other side. And just as they set out, Jesus is asleep. He is asleep. They're going, and before they could even get well into the other side of the lake, they find themselves in a storm. They find themselves in a storm. In our life, we're going to find conflict. We're going to run and two, some storms. Anybody ever had a storm in their life before? Yeah, I, I know I have. Here is this boat. It is being tossed by the wind and the waves. The water is filling up inside. Jesus is asleep. The, the fishermen or the, the disciples who were fishermen, they are in fear for their lives. So what do they do? They only do the, the, the only thing they know to do is wake Jesus up and ask him. Do you care that we are perishing? See, and as we read the text, it is clear that this is a rhetorical question. But you can understand the angst at which they pose the question. Here we are on this uh, on, on the Sea of Galilee, and we are perishing. We're stressed out and panicked, but you're asleep. 
sometimes in our life, we feel that God does not care. The, the storm that we are in will make us feel like he doesn't forgot about us. But the beautiful thing is, God is working in that storm. In that storm, God is at work. He is drawing those disciples to him. As we face storms in this life, we have to understand that God is using that storm to, to pull us in, to pull us close. And as that is happening, sometimes the best question you have for God is, do you care? I know that I have been in situations in my life where I had to ask that question and it wasn't rhetorical. I needed to know in that moment what I'm going through does not look like care. From my point of view, this don't even feel like care. So I have to ask God that and he has answered that question for us. He has answered that question for us. Do you care? He's answered it in his word. In Isaiah 43, he says that he loves us, and he says it explicitly. When we are going through a storm, we, we have to begin to think biblically. We don't want to be an a, a inch deep and a mile wide. We don't want to be uh, feeble, immature believers. We want to have a foundation built on the word of who God is. We want our mind and our hearts fortified with the truth of God's word so that when the storm comes in, we're not blown all about. We know who's in charge. We know that in the storm, he's drawing me close. So that, so that when I have that question of do you even care, Jesus is saying, ah, now I have your attention. Come here. Come to me. And it's at that point that he hugs us and holds us and says, I got you. I am going to get you through this. It's there that we realize he is not uh, designing this storm to break us. But he's designing it to, to build relationship, to draw us closer. Sometimes on the other side of a storm, there are things that we learn about the father that we wouldn't have learned without the storm. And that is what God is doing here. And that's what he's doing in our lives. As a storm arises, he is drawing us close. And the Bible tells us that he cares, and we know that because he's numbered the very hairs on our head. He knows just how many there are, something that is so trivial. 
if he would care about something as trivial as hair, as to number every single strand, how much more does he care about all the other aspects of your life? There is nothing that the Father takes lightly concerning you. Not one thing. There is nothing that he's nonchalant about as it relates to your life. And, and we don't have to worry. The storm will cause us to be fearful. But even when we are afraid, we can turn to him. We can turn to him because in the storm, he is drawing us to him. We turn to him how? Through prayer. You might not think, God, do you care? You might not think that that's a prayer. But I want to tell you that is a prayer. And like I said before, it's one that he has answered. We can turn to him in prayer and be honest and bear our heart, bear our soul to him. He can handle it. He can handle it. And at the end of the day, in the storm, that's what he's doing. Drawing you close so that you can tell him exactly what's going on so you can turn to him. In the storm, he is bringing you close. So here we are in Mark 4, and the disciples, they have now gotten Jesus up. They've asked him, do you care that we are perishing? And here in verse 39, Jesus is awake. And he says to the storm, peace, be still. He didn't have to get up and yell. He didn't have to do anything for 15, 20 minutes to to gain control. He simply opened his mouth. He simply opened his mouth. Here is the boat in the middle of the sea, and it is just crazy. Water everywhere, people panicking. And in the middle of all of that, Jesus awakes, and he says, after they they ask him if he cares that they're perishing, he simply says, peace, be still. And in that instant, it was completely quiet. It was silent. So silent that you could feel it. He shows pure authority over the elements. Pure authority. He he has the control over the wind and the waves 
as if they're two well-trained dogs. That if he say, fetch, it's high tide. If he says, stay, it's low tide. He has control. It's as if he is a, a, a master with two dogs on a leash at the dog show. And he can tell them exactly what to do when they listen. He is in control of the elements of nature. Here are the disciples on this hectic, chaotic boat with all of this wind and waves crashing and going on around them. And literally in an instant, just like that, it is silent. Jesus muzzles the wind. He puts a bit in the mouth of the waves. And in an instant, he causes the raging sea to be still as glass. The waves, the wind, obey him. What if we were obedient to Christ like that? What if we had that level of obedience? Back to our text. Here Jesus is, awakened by the disciples. He turns this raging sea into a, a sea that is as still as glass. And Jesus now poses a new question. He says, why, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? You have to understand he's speaking to the disciples, the, the ones that should have faith at this point. Ones that should have enough understanding to know the power that he possessed. So in what ways are we walking with Jesus but acting like we don't have faith. I'll be honest with you. I'm the first one to say I don't like storms. I don't want a storm. And, and, and as I'm trying to follow Jesus and I see that he's heading right into one, I'm like, oh, I'll wait right here. <laughs> you handle what you need to handle in that storm. I'll wait outside. You, you, you take care of that. But that's me acting like I don't have faith. A lot of times when a storm comes, we feel like we can't follow Jesus. We feel like this can't be something he's a part of. But when we look at the text, Jesus says to the disciples, let's go to the other side and all-knowing God wasn't caught by surprise with this storm. He knew exactly where they were going, so much so that he took a nap. 
Don't you let somebody tell you the, the, the storm you find yourself in is not of God, as if he's not in control of the complete universe. He knows when and where a storm is going to happen. He knows just when to touch our lives. He knows when, when, to, when to let the alternator go out at the right time. If you ask Heather, she'll tell you he knows when to let the AC go out. Charging you money you don't even have. Those are small personal storms. When we have children that don't want to do right, that's a storm. Take, for instance, you, you, you go, you buy a, a, your car, a, a new car to you, and the next day you're thinking, you know what, I'll just get the insurance on tomorrow. I'll switch that over. On your way home, you get in a wreck. You have hit someone. It's your fault. You call up the insurance company, and they say that vehicle is not covered. And after going back and forth with the insurance company, they decide to drop you. Now your car is in the shop. You don't have transportation. You don't have insurance. You don't have insurance on the other car you did have. What are you to do? And the victim is hospitalized and looking for somebody to pay. That's a storm. And you have to say, wait a minute. Wait a minute, God, what is going on? You can't possibly be caring about me right now. You have to find out what are you doing? What is God doing at that point? He's drawing you close. He wants you to realize your weakness so you can find peace in him. The one who is able to tell your storm what to do. The one who is able to control the elements of nature. See, if we're going to be on a journey with Christ, lacking faith is going to be a difficult thing for us. And, and, and God is not looking for... Uh, outstanding faith. When we look at what his word says about Abraham and how Abraham uh, showed faith, when we read about Abraham, we realize Abraham lied. He, he, tried to go, he tried to achieve God's plan for him in another way. And those things don't look like faith to us. But when God gives the verdict, when the verdict is read, we hear that he was a man of faith. That's what he's looking for in us. And we're going to have our hiccups. We won't be any better than Abraham. We're going to mess up along the way, but we have to realize in the storm that he 
is drawing us close, and he wants us to see him for who he is. Someone who is in control of our storms. Someone who is in control of our storms. We don't have to act faithless. We know who he is. We know that he has power to reign over our storm, to say, peace, be still, and the storm has to listen. So we have to watch out for fear. And I don't want you to think that there is, uh, there is no, no good fear. There is, some, there is something you call positive fear that helps you get out of an unsafe situation. But we don't want to be so fearful that we're running from the thing that God is using to draw us close, using to let us know more about who he is. Negative fear will cause you to pull away from God. Negative fear will cause you to look for tarot card readers, psychics, witch doctors, Unhealthy fear or, or negative fear will cause you to turn to the bottle, to find something else. It will cause you to strive to solve your own problem. And that's not the fear that we want. The Bible, uh, the Bible encourages God's people not to be fearful. Over a hundred times, God is encouraging us through his word not to be fearful. Fear not. And here are the disciples on the boat, on the Sea of Galilee, all of this happening. And Jesus says to them, why are you so afraid? That was the question to them then, and that's the question to us. What are we afraid of? Why are we so afraid? You know what the fear is. You can be honest with Jesus. You can take it to him. Does the storm have you worry? When Ian came to town, it was definitely something to be worried about. We know that Jesus is with us. He was with his disciples in the boat. He is with us today. And, the, and he shows his power through the storm he shows that he is in charge that he reigns over the storm in verse 41 we see that that Jesus has already silenced and stilled the the waves and the wind and in verse 41 he he says 
the passage says, they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? That is the great question of this small narrative. Who is this that the, even the wind and the sea obey him? Before we get to that question, I want to point out the allure of this power. See, when we know about Jesus and we see the power that he wields, it's easy for us to want to say, I want that power on my side. I want that power on my team. Sometimes we want to, we want to be the captain and, and tell God when a storm is okay to, 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 to arise. How much of a storm is too much? There is this allure to see that power and want to have it. That way we can have ourselves protected using it at our pleasure. But the reality is that there is no harness big enough to harness the power of God. There is no harness strong enough. He is the only one who has that power. So the only other option was for the disciples to be fearful. Because my goodness, one man with that kind of power, what can he do? I'm caught off guard. And you have to understand the situation. Here they are. In the middle of the Sea of Galilee, it is crazy. The, the, the wind and the waves have just almost frozen in time instantly. So just a second ago, the disciples were in fear for their lives. Now their fear has turned to fear of the one who has this power. You have to understand, it got so silent they could feel it. So much so that that question of who, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him, who, that question had to be asked silently. I could just imagine the quietness, the, the calm that overwhelmed that whole scene. They had to say, That's how that question was asked. I can, when I read it, I can just feel that this moment was one of those moments where you don't voice, you don't speak out loud. They had to ask it quietly. They were in shock. They were fearful. Who is this? This was that situation where they ask a silent question. Who is this? We are on the side of history where 
we know who it is. And what God was, was trying to communicate, what God is uh, using Mark to tell us is that he wants to put his son on display to show his people that this Jesus is not just a human being. He is God. That he is God in the flesh. See, only God has the power to control the storm. And what we have to understand is that storms are a part of life. No one gets to come into life and live a stormless life. You can't be storm free. This life, this world has storms. We are going to lose jobs, lose loved ones, be betrayed by friends, have enemies after us. Marriages are going to be, be just attacked. We are going to find ourselves in storms. This world is full of it. But there is one who has overcome the world. I submit to you that there is a weather man who is riding on the clouds. One of these days, every eye will see him on the cloud. He is the one who calms the storms of life, and he also silences the storms that threaten our soul. See, we don't need a weatherman like Al Roker. We don't need a weatherman that is beat down by the rain. We don't need one that's pushed around by the wind. See, the type of situation we are in, our situation can't be helped by a weatherman battered by the waves. See, the best American Meteorological Society certified meteorologists cannot help us. Even with their best information, their best tools, their, their best cutting-edge software, they still couldn't tell us when Ian was coming to town and how bad it was going to be the first time. He's going right, he's going left, he's a little bit west, more east. See, we need a weatherman who can really help us. We need a weatherman who can ride the storms, who can tell the storm what to do. We need a weatherman who is certified son of God. That's the weatherman we need. One who, is cre one who has created the sun from nothing. Hung it on darkness, set the planets in orbit. We need a weatherman who, who has the hypostatic union, who is fully God and fully man, fully divine and fully human. We need a weatherman tried and tempted by Satan, yet without sin. We need a weatherman, one who has laid down his authority to pick up 
our humanity and subject himself even to death on a cross. That's the kind of weather man we need. One that is able to defeat death itself to walk out of the grave three days later with all power and authority in his hands. I want to tell you today that this is the weather man that we need. One who has already proven himself to not only be able to steal the storms of this life, but the one who has already stilled the storm that seeks to devour our soul. I want you to remember today that when a storm arrives, you can ask God, do you care? He loves you. He loves you. He's bringing you close. And through the storm, he wants to show you who he is. He wants to build up and strengthen your relationship with him. So I'm asking you today, who is your weatherman? There is one that reigns supreme. There is one that can dictate to the storm when and where to go. His name is Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are in charge. Will you help us to come to you in storms? Will you help us see your provision, your love, your desire to have us know you? Help us to see that. Strengthen us that even in the fiercest storm, we look to you. We depend on you. Lord, let it be that we constantly come back 